Welcome to the Financial MD Show. This is the only podcast designed specifically for residents and young physicians to help you become educated on financial planning for physicians and avoid many of the common financial mistakes doctors make. Your hosts, John and Trevor, explore a different topic with each episode. John Salitro is a financial planner and certified financial education instructor. He's been working with young physicians for the better part of a decade and lectures to graduate medical programs around the country. Dr. Trevor Smith is a board-certified ophthalmologist with a full-time practice, and he has learned the ins and outs firsthand, what it takes to make smart financial decisions as a young physician. And now, here's your hosts, John and Trevor. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Financial MD Show. I'm super excited about today's show. Uh, Trevor and I talk about student loans, which is the most requested topic by far. You're going to get to hear some interesting perspectives, mainly a lot of Trevor talking because he's the one with the largest student loan balance. Uh, He's still working on paying that down, but he tells you how he got around to choosing the option that he did, what other options he looked at, and how he's handling it now that he's an attending, and of course, what he would have done differently when he was a resident. So be sure to stick around, listen all the way to the end. There's some great tips here. Take notes, and here we go. Welcome to the Financial MD Show. We are your hosts. I'm John Salitro. With me is Dr. Trevor Smith. And uh, Trevor, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Finished up a great day at clinic. Good, good. <laughs> I did not. I was in my home office again. Uh, uh, we're still technically in a pandemic, but that's okay. I've pimped it out pretty good and I'm kind of enjoying working from home. Nice. So, uh, but it makes podcasting doable. And if you missed the first episode, uh, I encourage you to go back and listen to that. That gives some background on Financial MD and who we are and why and what and how. Um, and we thought we would start jumping in today's episode with the topics that we've got lined up that um, the residents and young physicians want to hear. And we've kind of grouped them in order, priority, or demand uh, based on the fact that you know I myself have done probably 300 workshops and residency programs around the Midwest and resoundingly the most popular topic or question is on student loans and so that's what we're going to cover today and uh yeah partially it's clickbait but it is important stuff and we're going to have some good info for you so um let's uh everybody likes to start with a story uh so uh trevor would you just give us your experience with student loans a little bit how it started where they came from where they're at now, anything you're willing to share? Absolutely. Yeah, so I was in med school um, from 2010 to 2014, and I was unfortunate enough to have those highest rates, I think, ever from from federal loans. And so it was like 6.8% um, directly. Is that right? I think that's right. 6.8% directly 6.8 from the government. Average, yeah. And then friends, I didn't have uh, private loans, but um, I had friends that did, and that was in like the eight plus percentage range since it's usually yeah. you know, bumped up a little bit higher. So I was at like the 6.8% uh, percent range and still had a decent amount. Um, and right, probably about a year, year and a half into uh, residency, I was able to, for whatever reason, either 
I don't think I had even met you yet, but um, I had Googled around a little bit on the white coat investor and um, saw some refinancing info. So I found a couple good, uh, you know, rates there to refinance and even came across a startup company called link capital. And I know they're still doing uh, some stuff and yeah. And they were just like, they were like a startup and I was like, Oh, that's pretty cool. And they were like one of the first companies to do like a standard $100 a month payment, no matter how much you owed. Um, so I ended up refinancing. So I started with that, but that's cool. Link. Yeah, it was, I think it was probably a year or even two before SoFi. Um, oh, yeah, I actually I do tr- remember. I have a story yeah, about I, capital too. Um, yeah, I, I tried to refi through SoFi and they, they turned me down. They were like, no, we're not really, we're not really doing medical student loans yet. And I was like, right. what? And they, they had <laughs> done some people's. Market. Yeah, I was just thinking like, holy smokes, these lean capital guys haven't made. Because like, there was like uh, DRB, Daring Rowington Bank. Yep. And then there was another random one, like a smaller bank. Uh, I want to say not Common Bond, but Lower there was another one kind of like that. They were one of the earlier well, ones. Yeah, anyways, there was, yeah, there was a couple small banks that was kind of niche. They were doing this. And I think they were brilliant because we're such a reliable group. And, you know, we can't bankrupt the loans anyway. So yeah. it's a great, great thing to be doing. Um, anyways, I refinanced down to like four and a quarter or something. I think my okay. first or second year. And, yeah, uh, to me, it just seemed like a no brainer. And I was right. in ophthalmology and had no intention of trying to spend 10 years, uh, picking certain jobs just because I wanted to like get, you know, a certain amount of money paid back by the government. Um, yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. Yeah, why I thought about it into the details, but why not PSLF? Why not stick to the federal? I mean, right. I mean, part of it was I don't have like the most faith in the government to stick to what it says because it tends to change its mind. So, yep, I didn't exactly. see it as the most reliable deal maker in the scenario. I felt like um, I could trust myself and invest in myself and my ability to negotiate and find good jobs better than I could trust them to pay my loans 10 years later and yeah. the more they grow the larger they be the less they would want to pay them back is kind of what i thought and then the more likely they'd try to push some sort of cost of that back on me which which it looks like they would it would be you know a decent amount of taxes you'd have to pay on that because it's considered income so mm-hmm. uh, i still feel very good about that decision and everybody does it differently i think it's totally reasonable if you're doing that job but anyways, I was looking at private practice and a lot of optim- most ophthalmologists are private practice. So I figured yeah. the sooner I refied, even if I'm turning down that one option, it was kind of the only thing I was turning down. And then I was guaranteeing saving somewhere between like ten and $30,000 just by refinancing. Right. Okay. And then I also had extra spending money because I was actually paying on some of my loan when I refied. So I, I just decided I would, I would put it off, which eh, looking back on it, I probably spent most of that money on restaurants and, uh, <laughs> but you would have been a smart move too. Yeah. It's hard to say to pay it. It's, it's fine. Like, honestly, I think I said last week, a lot of what you do in residency in terms of paying off your loans is a drop in the bucket, but refinancing is, is probably if, if you're not going to do um, some sort of government attempted payoff, Thing at a nonprofit uh, hospital, then it's such a no brainer. And I'm, I'm so glad that I did it. And it's easy too. It's easy. They're, they don't charge you anything. I thought, Oh, maybe they'll charge me like some sort of fee, like 
Sure. You know, when you take out a loan on a house and maybe they charge you a thousand bucks just from the mm-hmm. start, just mm-hmm. cash up front. And these refinance companies, they usually give you three hundred to seven hundred dollars just for yes. graciously letting them buy your loan from somebody else because it's yeah. it's free money for them. It's guaranteed. We're always gonna pay off back our loans. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's my story. So <clears throat> yeah, and there's a lot of stuff there. I mean the you're right. 6.8% is the national average still is, I think. Um, and that happened probably back in 2008, 2009. Um, yeah. When was med school for you? Would that have been? I, it was, I was 2010 to 14. I'm pretty sure that there was only four years where it was 6.8% the whole time. Yeah. Four years in a row. And those are the four years that I was in med school. Uh-huh. If I remember correctly, I'm I'm almost sure that it was it was still high. I think it was six point six the couple of years before, but like right when I was in med school or at least finishing college, I, I hit every single year of of the highest percentage loans from the government ever. If you look back, it used to be like two to three. It did, and that's what I was going to say. When we started doing this whole resident workshop um, curriculum, that most of the residents refinancing was not a thing because student loans right. are so stinking cheap at one to three percent that mm-hmm. I still got some clients that are attendings now in their late thirties, early forties or more that have That's student right. loans. But our suggestion was like, man, take as long as you can to pay that sucker off. Cause that's, yeah, those money. are amazing. And, yeah. Yeah. So we've, I just had the conversation with one that's probably 44. He's a pathologist and, um, he was talking about we've we've kind of hit a lot of other goals and student loans is his other thing. He's like, oh, I want to get mm-hmm. them paid off. I'm like, dude, you got like one and a half to two percent interest. Please don't. <laughs> like, I know you want yeah. to, and I know it feels good and just all that stuff. Emotionally, sure, I get it. Financially mm-hmm. and numbers wise, no, just don't. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you just look at it from strictly an interest rate standpoint, like if you get a thousand bucks, would you put it in something? that pays off a 2% loan or an investment that could get you 8% per year, you know? So it's, mm-hmm. and I have to hear the argument from people, well, sure, but that 2% is a sure thing. Okay, fair. So then if we did a, you know, yeah. adjust it, we can go into all that stuff. But yeah, yeah. that's kind of the simplest way of putting it. And um, like you said as well, the, the PSLF thing, the public service loan forgiveness, you know, that's, I get that question pretty much every single lecture that I do. And it's the, should I plan on PSLF? What do you think about PSLF? Is it going to be around? Is it legit? Blah, blah, blah. I've heard this. I've heard right. this. Have you, and I get this one all the time. Have you ever had anybody that's gotten forgiven? Um, oh yeah. And no, I haven't yet. Um, Mm-hmm. heard of you know seen articles whatever but we you know we've got hundreds of physician clients and we haven't had anybody that's gotten loans forgiven yet um mm-hmm. the good chunk of them I, I tend to i'm with you trevor if anybody has like even just any doubts or even if they're in a nonprofit or a you know government job if they have any doubts i say take the sure thing get the refinance get a low rate now because Here's how I typically explain it in my lectures is, okay, you got a 6.8% loan now. You refinance, especially these days, geez, rates are so low. But let's say you get a 4%, okay? And 
you get that quote and you're like, no, I'm going to stick with my federal loan because the, the PSLF. Okay, I get it. So then they are working down this road on a 10-year payment schedule, and then the rest is going to get forgiven after that. But then what if at year nine and a half, something drastic changes in Congress or the government, they change their minds or whatever. They can do that, right? You know, Mm -hmm. some may say, well, there'd be a class action lawsuit, blah, blah, blah. Okay, maybe. But let's just say something happens and maybe they put an income cap on it or they put a cap on how much is forgiven, whatever. Then you're like, okay, well, that's all right. I'm just going to go refinance now. And what's happened over the next 10 years or over those 10 years, what's happened to interest rates? Exactly. They've gone up and now, sure, you could refinance for 7% or 8%. um, And now you're like, shoot, I I guess I'll just stick with these loans and I should have refinanced 10 years ago. So Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but. Right. Even let's say interest rates stay the same. You want to refinance later that like the whole point of refinancing is getting your rate lower as soon as possible because compound interest. So if you wait seven, eight years and you're like, Oh, well now I'll refinance. Okay. Well, eight years worth of of principal or not a principal of interest has been growing. And depending on what uh, situation you have, it doesn't end which bank you have, I guess with just straight up with the government, uh, it does all fold back on and create a compounds print fully under the principal. Some of those ones, if you refi during residency, just the interest accrues or that you just accrue interest on the principal. So if you have $50,000 loan, you keep getting interest month by month on an annual rate right. on the 50,000. They don't keep rolling it back on 50,100, 50,500. Subsidized loans sometimes. Yeah, they, yeah, on the subsidized ones, they don't do that. Um, but once you're in attending, and you don't have one of those refinance deals, then it does. It all just keeps it. The snowball just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So if you wait, um, it's just that much bigger of a monster to have to take down. So definitely it's the sooner, the better uh, for that scenario. For me, like one of the core questions was, do I want to be in control of my future or do I want to depend on the government? Like, do I want it to be in my hands and like all these make a lot of decisions on these maybes yeah. um, that could happen. Maybe the program will still be there. Maybe I'll take a job with a nonprofit. Maybe I'll stick with it for 10 years. Maybe I won't take, I, I actually, you know, I started in a, in a fellowship and it was at a, a private practice fellowship. Yeah. So, you know, and I matched into it. Right. So let's say I like wanted to do this nonprofit thing. And that's not just true for like ophthalmology. That's true for lots of specialties. You can match into a fellowship with a private practice. They're not a nonprofit and you're just, you're just out of luck. I mean, you, you break that up and you're two years at a fellowship or three years at a fellowship. I mean, that deal's done. It's not worth it to anymore. Uh, And you, let's say you're a general surgeon or something and you're doing something between the five and seven year residency. And then you're going to do a three to four year fellowship or something. Um, you know, by the time you're starting your fellowship, that could have been six years of principal that was, that was, um, accruing interest at only 3% instead of seven or eight. Um, and you can take these private loans that are eight, 9% and refi them, yep. you know, down to 3% or something. I actually refied mine from almost seven to four and a quarter. And then I refied it again a year ago 
when I was ready to actually start paying more aggressively on a five-year term, all the way down yeah. to 3%. This yeah. is before coronavirus COVID. Um, if I waited a little bit, I probably could have gotten it down to two and a half, two and three quarters. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So, so anyways, I mean, that's, it's, there's just, I think to me that ends up adding up for most people. If you just said like, what should most people do? Most people are going to be in my position. Yep. Most people are are not going to have all of those maybes line up as a yes. Yes. Somewhere along the way, one of those maybes is going to be a no, and then you're done and you would have been better off refinancing yesterday, four years ago. Yeah. yeah and that's, that's what I, I say is it's so easy. It's free. It's, it's more of, yeah. wouldn't you rather have a sure thing in a lot of ways and a cheaper thing on a private? Yeah. What if it'd been, you know, what if it would have been forgiven? Eh, you know, maybe it's just, a, it's a philosophical thing of, do you bet on a maybe? Or like right. you said, do you bet on, here's what I know. I'm in control. I have this, I'm going to pay it off. It's just a, it's just a thing. And it's part of the financial plan and we work in there. And I always say to my residents, like by the time we get into your first or second year of an attending, if we do this right, you're able to do three things in a pretty decent manner. You're able to put a decent amount on your student loans. You're able to, and by that, I mean, usually paid off within five to 10 years. Mm -hmm. Um, You're able to put a decent amount towards retirement and Mm -hmm. you're able to live a pretty decent lifestyle. And I have yet to have a attending that's like, I still have to live like a resident. You can, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, most of my attendings have, you know, gotten the house and the cars and and are making good Mm -hmm. progress on their loans and same for retirement. So it seems bleak now, but no, I mean, don't uh, just like Trevor was saying, there's nothing wrong with paying off your loans yourself. That's what you signed up for. And we can do it at a much cheaper rate. And Yeah. yeah. Gosh. I, I, I'll add too that uh, because you're running financial MD and you're a financial advisor. I, I bet more often than, than you expect when you're talking about refinancing loans being a great decision, I would bet you the residents that you talk to, like you go to these programs and you talk to residents or here and there, you probably forget that they don't know you don't make any money off of that. Ah, <laughs> like, sure. You, I, I bet you take that for granted, honestly, because like, you're just like, Oh, this is a great thing. You guys should do this. And in the back of their mind, they're probably, it probably sounds like disability insurance, which you, you, you make a small commission on if you sell like a policy. Um, and rightfully so it's, it's much more time intensive. You have to follow up, chase down tons of, doctors to try to get them to fill out the, you know, the health portion and do the phone interview. There's a couple steps. It's still not bad, but this is, this is so simple. This is a few steps like so far. I did the whole thing on an app in under 15 minutes and you, you personally don't make any money giving this advice unless you're Dr. Dolly on the white coat investor and you have a link, uh, you know, like there's some referral bonuses. Maybe you get, this is it's it's nothing it's like maybe a hundred dollars if you got a referral bonus or something yeah um, no, and they cap it they cap it too i'm in bond um oh did you and they yeah. said you can get 300 bucks or you can pass it to your clients and we just said give it to the clients well because they yeah they got a referral that's great with them because it was like whatever no big deal and i know for residents sometimes 300 bucks is 300 bucks you know so oh yeah um 
Yeah. But yeah, I would I recommend probably, that. Mm-hmm. I'm probably shooting myself in the foot, as you say. I mean, I don't even think about it. But yeah, if I were a scrupulous financial advisor, it was like, I want as much of their money as possible. It would be, hey, make minimum payments on your federal loans for 10 years and hope it gets forgiven right. and then invest the rest with me. Um, yep. Because if That's you refinance right. and you go into practice, you're, you know, putting three, four grand a month onto your student loans and mm-hmm. that could be going into your investments. But yeah, yeah. So yeah, and that's, that's uh, there's there's also a lot of I bet you have clients that come to you and say, "Hey, I want to put as much money into investments as possible because I'm not risk averse, and I understand that I might be splitting hairs and barely breaking even, trying to beat the market, yada yada, and and paying off my loans slower at three percent or four percent. I'm going to try to beat yeah. the market." get 8% to 12%. You know, people, that's not wrong. Tons of people try to do that and that's fine. It's less of a sure thing. It's a different strategy. You know, some people will do that and they'll make more money than the next guy. Some people will do that and they'll lose a lot of money buying single stocks on Robinhood and they don't pay off their loans. That was me three, four years ago when I was in residency, I was like buying, you know, occasional stocks it would go down. I would freak out. I would sell and buy high. I'd sell low. And then like you, you have to like realize who you are. You know, people are allowed to make mistakes, but if you keep making them, you're, you're never going to get anywhere. So, you know, create That's why, you know, you got to create a strategy that works for you. You got to know who you are and what your risk tolerance is. And, um, people aren't always, people aren't wrong for doing one way or the other, but no. certainly the you know refinancing is uh it's it's a net win for almost anybody who does it yeah i would say so i don't think anybody ever regrets that um mm-hmm. i it, i have a story about gosh my first year or two uh in this business i sat down with a couple he was an er resident she was obgyn they were probably Seven fifty to eight hundred thousand in student loans between the two of them, and you know, here I was in my late twenties, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, that's a lot of money!" And so I'm thinking, "Okay, well, uh, here." And we were starting to put together some plans because they were a year or two away from, um, maybe a year away from getting out of residency and and getting into practice. And I said, "Okay, so we're going to probably budget. You know, it's going to be probably six to eight thousand dollars a month uh, for both you guys on student loan payments." Um, that's okay. You know, you guys will make enough money that'll work. And he's like, nah, I'm not going to do that. And I was like, what now? And he's like, I don't want to pay those off. Um, I mean, I will, but I want it to take as long as it possibly can. And I want to stretch those suckers out. I've just come to the conclusion. I don't want to sacrifice lifestyle. And I'm just going to look at those as a, you know, piece in my budget for the rest of my life. And that's just it. And I was like, Okay. Okay. Um, I'm not going to talk this guy out of this. And, but what I learned over the years was there's no right or wrong answer there. That was mm-hmm. what he wanted to do. That was, you know, it's, and as I got trained in being a financial planner and asking the question in every area of their finances, what's important to you about money? And you right. find people's values and you find people's philosophies are different. And it, that's what drives their financial plan and drives all that stuff. And so for him, it was, enjoying lifestyle, living off of his, you know, he'd sacrifice for 
several years like you do, goes into practice, like, I'm not sacrificing anymore. And I was like, okay. Like, you, you know mm-hmm. what that means interest-wise. He's like, yeah, I'm fine with that. Like, okay, as long as you know, um, that's my job. And then mm-hmm. you make the decision. And so uh, love those guys. They're still clients today. And we're, you know, in practice, nice. they're, you know, making payments. But um, it's, uh, they want to stretch those out as, you know, 25 years is the plan. Yeah, there is, you know, this is not quite the same thing, but there is something to be said about the fact that doctors have so much earning potential that, you know, we talked a little bit about budgeting last week. You can kind of cut corners and you can restrict and you can live like a resident. Uh, but you can also, you can live like a resident and then you still come up against the wall. You can't live on zero dollars. And yeah. doctors can earn a lot. I mean, even if they're already earning really well, there's different revenue streams and approaches to practice and growth areas for the practice or, you know, starting their own practice um, and taking home a higher percentage of what they make, if they can be just as busy on their own. And there's so many ways of doing medicine uh, that can increase your ceiling even higher that yet maybe that guy is just, he's just driven to grow and he doesn't want to think about, you know, what he has to pay on his loans. He's just going to try to out earn it. And that's another strategy too. And I mean, there, you, you can do that. I mean, you totally can do that. So. And they're good savers. You know what I mean? It's not like they're wasting a bunch of money either. They're, they're just, he's, he's like, um, you know, debt averse means you don't like debt, but he's like averse to paying off debt. <laughs> like not, he's, mm-hmm. he's not taking on more debt. He's been a good saver. And like their first year, you know, they saved hundred grand, no problem. And just a savings account in addition to, getting on track with other investments and stuff. So it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, they're not stupid. They're, they're still disciplined. They're still good um, savers and great clients. And so I've, that was a growing experience for me and I learned some things and, um, but yeah, that's, that's my story. I, I, I'm, I always have this little competition in my head as I go and visit residency programs. I'll never forget the first one, probably two years ago where I met a guy and uh, his wife was a resident as well. And he kind of pulled me aside. He's like, we've got over a million dollars in student loans between the two of us. And I was like, Ooh, okay. And in my head, I'm like, okay, my first one, I've been waiting to meet you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So already in residency, they have a negative net worth of a million bucks. Wow. That's tough. That's a hard number to look at, but uh that is that sounds like a very expensive uh undergrad right. uh, both yeah for sure so um it's crazy but yeah i would say uh where to get information you know there's companies common bond sofi uh laurel road drb Ernest. i think laurel might be drb now um Ernest. there are so many refinancing companies you can check out the yeah. web investor i will um, post either in the Facebook group or the page. Um, they put together a list of like 10 or 15 student loan refinancing companies. And I would say that's a place to start because getting the refinancing quotes, they do a soft credit pull. So it doesn't affect the credit. Like Trevor said, it's quick, easy, it's free. Um, just start by taking a look and then, you know, get a second opinion, whether it's meet with one of us or talk to a financial planner and just say, Hey, here's what I got here's my trajectory career wise. 
what do you think? And again, mm-hmm. there's no wrong decision here. Just get the facts first and then you can make an informed decision and just make the one that feels right for you. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll put in a plug for John here too. I mean, there's so many articles on like white coat investor and I'm still just reading a lot of, uh, and I've done the white coat investor course and all that, but there's just, there's a lot of easy points you can grab right away. And the sooner you do, the more money you save. So if you're someone who's trying to optimize like now and you want to do in just like a couple weeks, something that could save you thousands and thousands of dollars. I mean, hit up John and he can, he can steer you towards some of those easy points right away. And you, you can just kind of rest easy for a couple of months, knowing that you've done a lot of the, the heavy lifting and then you can start doing the fine tuning and self-education over time. So, yeah. And that's what we try to do at least within two or three weeks. Like you said, get at least one good action plan put together and, and the residents can walk away with here's five or six bullet points of things you can do right now to get you on a, on a better trajectory. And then, um, step-by-step all the way through training so that when they get started, they're starting out on the right foot as much as possible. Yep. Cool. All right. Well, I think that's our time today, guys. Uh, Hope that was helpful. I think we threw a lot at you. We'll again, try to have resources (laughs) on the website at financialmd.com. Check us out on Facebook. That's where we post all of the resources and links afterwards. Um, join the Facebook group. We've got a financial MD community, which is made up of physicians, young and old that are sharing tips, giving, getting advice. Um, and then be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel where we've got new videos coming out every week on a different financial topic. So, um, leave us a review in iTunes for the podcast, uh, subscribe, share, uh, get the word out and slowly we will make the world of physician finance a better place. All right. Thanks, Trevor. We'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks, John. Thanks for joining us for another Financial MD show. Be sure to head over to FinancialMD.com to get more in-depth resources on financial tips for physicians. And don't forget to join the Financial MD community group on Facebook, where physicians at all stages of their career gather to share tips and get ideas on achieving true financial success. We'll see you next time. The Financial MD Show is for informational purposes only and is not an offer to invest, is not financial, tax, or legal advice. Be sure to seek financial, legal, or tax professionals when making any financial decisions. Before investing, you should make sure that any investment strategy or investment meets your individual investment needs, goals, and objectives. Financial MD makes no claims or guarantees to individual investment performance. All investing involves the risk of loss as well as the potential for gain.